this week's episode, it's time for Sherlock without Sherlock, Loki as the true Loki, and Reed Richards as the massive jerk face we always knew he was. It's all happening now on Cover B. Happy weekend, everyone. Yes, weekend. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it's weekend. Oh, finally weekend. Where have you been all my life? Five days away, typically. That's what it feels like. But that's okay. We're here now. And we're going to talk about some gosh dang comics for your gosh dang Saturday. Are you happy about that? I hope so. That's, that's what I think. Are you ready to talk about some comics? Yeah, I'm ready to talk about some comics. Let's talk about some comics. Let's do it, man. I'm going to talk about a comic. I'm going to talk about Adler number one. Adler number one was awesome. I don't know what I was expecting from this book. <laughs> um, it's about the people related to Sherlock Holmes and Watson mm-hmm. without being about Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Okay, nice. So it's an almost entirely female cast, and it has, like, Moriarty in it, but, like, as, like, a supplementary side villainy guy. Um, And it focuses around Adler and this girl named Jane who gets back from the war and doesn't really have anywhere to live. And so there's, like, all these very interesting lady characters doing cool Victorian-era stuff. And it's just excellent. It's written by uh, Lavi or Lavi. I apologize for destroying your name. Tidhar and art by Paul McCaffrey. And it was just, it was engaging and interesting. And there's kind of implications that the lead character is Jane Eyre. And like, it's just kind of like awesome. Like, I don't know. I always go into these, we're taking bits of historical fiction and we're going to tweak it and do our own thing with it. I always take those with a grain of salt because they can either be done really, really well or really, really poorly. As you know, like from last week when I read the Frankenstein Undone, I was kind of like, this could be really good or it could be really bad and end up being great. This one also was really great. I really appreciate that you're kind of going in and like they, they vaguely talk about Sherlock. But, like, in a, like, oh, he's in another town. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's literally the only reference to him. It's, like, we get Sherlock Holmes, but it it, it passes the Bechdel test. Like, it's so awesome. <laughs> right on. That's really cool. And all the women are, like, really spunky and interesting and, like, you know, live their own life and march to their own drumbeat. And it's just, I feel empowered. <laughs> I really liked it. And is this like, so it's like, because I know it's from Titan who do the like Sherlock comics based off of like the Benedict Cumberbatch thing. Is this like, uh, like old school Sherlock Holmes or is this like Sherlock, like the Benedict Cumberbatch thing? No, this is like old school back in the day. This is like period piece that I'm aware of. Okay. And I, I really enjoy it. Like. The main character comes back from war as, like, she was a nurse, but her doctor died. So she, like, was a doctor because there wasn't one. And she comes back and is sitting in this, like, round area with an old woman. And somebody talks about how, um, you know, you were in war. War's no place for a lady. And she looks at her and goes, I never said I was a lady. Oof. 
And I'm like, nice. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, that's right. You tell her. You tell that old lady. It was just, <laughs> And there was just subtle stuff about that the whole time. And, like, yeah, yeah. Adler does the Sherlock Holmes things at one point where, like, she, like, acts like she's basically a psychic and, like, reading all of these things off of Jane. And then she's like, oh, yeah, here's how I figured it out. You have this yeah. and this and this and this. And, you know, you've got calluses on your hands from surgical tools. Like, she just, like, knows. And it's the total Sherlock thing. But it's so cool to see it being done by a chick. Ugh. That's neat. That's this really cool. This book was great. Yeah. Go get this book. Right Support on. this book, team. <laughs> All right. I wanted to talk about backtrack number one. Um, this title came out from Oni. Uh, it's written by Brian Joins with art by Jake Elfnick. Elfick. Sorry. Um, this one was pretty cool. It's it's an interesting concept um, that I really kind of dig, and it seems like it's going to have very, like, over-the-top action. Effectively, it boils down to, you know, this person with some sort of scarred past as a getaway driver is approached by this very, like, shady individual who seems to know too much i mean it's obviously setting up some sort of like devil of some kind he's got some sort of like weird name that ends in an x kind of thing so he's obviously evil um and they this person offers them like a chance at redemption uh or a chance to get like whatever it is that they want and they you know she obviously wants her boyfriend or husband or whoever it was that she was doing crimes with back like i guess he died somehow um anyway the whole thing is a race and it's just like a short race like i think they say it's just like a few miles like 40 miles or something right yeah and they uh you know they start it and then poof suddenly they're in like prehistoric times and it's like whoa <laughs> And then we, like, find out some details, and there's obviously some sort of, like, wicked, weird sort of game going on. Like, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm here for that. I I thought it was interesting that they're, like, subtly setting up characters, but really we only know very little even about the main character. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of, like introduce a handful of the other drivers but nobody has really even like a name yet and our character we know like nothing about her except for the fact that she's basically an alcoholic yeah yeah. and the devil guy we know nothing about yeah it's just interesting that like they set up this like whole thing and we don't know anything about anybody it keeps a lot of details away and then just relies on kind of your expected knowledge from what you can infer so like we know how race type plots are gonna go we right. know how like dangerous race type plots are gonna go um we can obviously tell that this dude has some sort of like mephistophelian thing going on you right know what i mean like some sort of plan or game that he's playing but we don't know what or why you know like yeah. what does he get out of these people getting eaten by dinosaurs you know um, but I, I think it's really cool and it, you know, plays out like a Fast and the Furious movie with like sci-fi elements. Know, elements, um, but it, it's really neat and it's, it's good to see from Oni cause I feel like Oni 
hasn't really brought a lot to the market that's that good. Like, I hate to say it. I just haven't <laughs> really seen anything from Oni that's like, whoa, fair. you know. No, that's fair. They've been relying on their, like, Rick and Morty stuff for quite a while. Um, when you get an hate, when you get an IP that's going to make you a lot of money, you're kind of like, hey, I'm going to lean yeah. into that. Yeah, but this, <laughs> one, this one's pretty good. Like, this one's definitely worth checking out, in my opinion. Awesome. I'm here for it. Um, next one on my list was After Realm Quarterly, which is a thick chongus of a book. Yeah, it's um, a quarterly, so it's going to come out every three months or whatever. Okay, so. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's about this, like, elfin-type person mm-hmm. who it lives in Elfheim from Norse mythology, and it takes place effectively like immediately following Ragnarok mm-hmm. and it's so cool to read a book that takes an almost like playful and young hearted look at like really messed up Norse mythology stories. Yeah. Like, and it's also nice to participate in a book that doesn't look at Loki as like, haha. He's so silly. He's a silly trickster god. Like, Loki is a bad mamma jamma and does really evil stuff. Well, yeah, and that's the cool, like, that's the fun kind of, like, I guess, dichotomy of Loki, even in the mythology. And it's something that, at times, Marvel gets very, very right. But thanks to Tom Hiddleston, now we, more often than not, just see, like, charming, redeemable Loki as opposed to, like... You know, back in the day, like, I mean, back, way back in the day, Loki was just bad, and that's it. Um, And then as time went on, he would have moments where he's, like, good, but then he'd be, like, bad. And when he's bad, he's really bad. Like, really bad. And that's the thing about Loki. Like, if you look at the myths about Loki, there's times when he's just, like, fun little weird trickster and there's times when he's, like, legitimately just, like, I'm going to be helpful. And then at some point he might just be, like, mm, but I'm also going to be trickster. Um, but he, then he ultimately is the reason Ragnarok happens. He leads the forces of, I believe, Jotunheim in, and, like, just wrecks everything. And, like, is the, like, in the main myth is a leading force and cause and you know destructive force in ragnarok and so there's like in the myths themselves there's this version of loki which is one that like you said we don't often see we don't see it much a lot of times when things play into like norse mythology they're like little trickster god and then like i said in marvel we get like the i'm charming i'm basically the bard of the gods you know yeah like we see him in such a like neutral neutral behavior nowadays like i'm good most of the time but i can be bad if it suits me but like realistically his depiction in mythology has been chaotic evil well where sometimes he would do good things but because that's the fun thing to do right then. Not because it's good, but because well, yeah. I don't want to do anything else. That's and it's just self-serving. What... Like, yeah. I get something out of this. Right. You know? It just happens to fall where it's more entertaining for him to mm-hmm. be good at this moment. And so, I don't know. It was kind of nice to have a book that really leaned into him being kind of an a-hole. Yeah. Um, and this book's, like, adorable. Like, 
I appreciate too because they depict the the main character is both being told in like a past tense, like we're seeing her do things, but then we're also getting this narration of her of an older self. And it's nice because current her or the the version of her that we're seeing on the page is young and kind of dumb and making poor life choices, which to me is sometimes kind of frustrating when you get dropped in on a protagonist who's kind of an idiot. And Mm -hmm. you're like, I could see the mistakes you're making and I don't really want to support you on these mistakes that you're making. But I really appreciate that it throws in this like older, wiser, more aware of themselves narrator version of the protagonist because they're like, man, this was a dumb move on my part. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so I can relate to you because you're at least aware of your horrible actions. And I can relate to the 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 new you, the older future you. And that at least gives me something to bite into. You know what I mean? So I like um. so this was. Written and arted by Michael Avon Oeming. Um, and he is one of the co-creators of Powers. So oh. him and Brian Michael Bendis co-created uh, Powers, and he did the art for it. Um, and honestly, like, Powers I've never really been able to get into because I just am not a huge fan of Oeming's art with the backdrop of the story of Powers. Okay. I think it's a little like it disconnects for me that makes sense um but honestly oming's art with this is like spot on makes perfect sense um i absolutely love it and i love that it he mentions in the back um various like inspirations that he has and one of the inspirations he has was like retro video games oh that's cool and so it's cool to me because this book literally feels like the story of like a retro video game character but if told completely in the backdrop of that retro video game. So it's like the old like 90s Nintendo cartoons and yeah. stuff where it's not like it's not trying to make the action more realistic or like reason out why the bad guys look the way that they do. It's right. like, hey, all the bad guys are like pigs and wolves with guns. That's just, just what it is. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> and I just I really like that. Like it's it's a real person like a person who feels real and has thoughts and feelings but in the backdrop of this like 1990s snes style kind of world yeah where everything's like certain colors and shapes and levels are laid out and like combat is laid out and the bad guys are just like you know made to be as aggressively clear bad guys as they can you know what i mean um and it's just it's really cool like, I, I really like this book. I'm really excited about this book. I'm kind of bummed it's a quarterly. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so Agreed. The next one's not coming out until May, and I'm like, why? But at least this book comes out as a big hefty chongus. And yeah, we it is get, a big chongus. I appreciate when you don't, when you, like, when you get a quarterly, and it's like, I'm the same number of pages as the other book you just read that's a weekly. You're like, ah. I'm super stoked, though, because I think quarterlies are having a revival good because so lazarus <laughs> has gone to a quarterly so that makes it's sense. like every three months <laughs> you get sense. like a big chunky like spined lazarus Ooh. book for like 7.99 5.99 something like that this one's going quarterly it's not spined but it's big chunky book yeah you know what i mean plenty of story that you can read and then invader zim actually is switching over soon to quarterlies invader zim is so, still going yes um, but it's ongoing is switching over to quarterly. So 
that's like three fairly like notable quarterly books coming up in from notable companies so like i would love to see like dc and marvel will never do it because they need that monthly money but i would love to see like the indie companies just like make Lean a transition into it. to quarterlies for two reasons one you get a lot more story and they're a lot less like i feel like you know every comic's gonna end in a cliffhanger right and when you've had like 98 pages to get to that cliffhanger as opposed to like 42 it just impacts harder right um but also because then i only have to buy one book every three months yeah i don't hate that <laughs> i don't hate that at all yeah. i'm i'm a little overwhelmed with the amount of comics every the week. amount of books that i have all over my house so oh god we have so many books so yeah i gotta uh, say i'm still a little distracted that the Invader Zim comics still going. Yeah, it's still going, man. I fun fact, fun fact, listeners. I read the first one, the first issue of the new ongoing Invader Zim comic, like two years ago, and I was like, "Eh, it's okay. It's not gonna last." <laughs> well, shut my mouth. Apparently, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Get wrecked, tea. Yeah, my bad. Take Jeez. that with your opinions. Yeah. Uh, the next book I wanted to talk about is from Aftershock. Um, it's called The Man Who F Hashtag Ampersand Percent ED Uptime. <laughs> the Man Who F'd Uptime. The Man Who F'd Uptime is <laughs> the general what it's called. But um, I honestly went into this book not really expecting much. I'm just not huge on like time travel stories, personally. Oh, that's fair. Um, I feel like there's not much that can be told about it like i i just feel like it's a story that we've heard a lot man travels back in time changes the future is like oh no i've changed the future too much and then has to figure out how to fix it how to undo it um what i ended up liking about this one is that it leaves you with just a ton of questions yeah so like the number one yeah so there's a much bigger adventure going on than what initially feels you know settled yeah so it it like i said it, it follows the same tropes like it's the same formula man is unhappy with his life is working for a laboratory where they're developing time travel he hates his boss he visits himself from the future like he meets a future version of himself who's like just go back and change it man and he's like whoa great idea <laughs> and so he goes back a week one whole week that's it that's just it. One whole week and does one thing. That's it. And then when he comes back to his time, his city is comprised completely of like ancient Egyptian esque buildings, like pyramids and big like stone structures and obelisks everywhere. The president is no longer a president, it's King Abraham Lincoln the Seventh. People dressed like Abraham Lincoln and George Washington are everywhere. Some dudes riding a triceratops. Like, there's time police. Yeah, and then he gets approached by the time police, and they're like, "You got to fix this." That's the equivalent of number one. Um, but like, how did a week? Yeah. Make that difference. Yeah. And that's that's bizarre. That's what I think. <laughs> like, that's where I think the story lies for this one is that like. The week didn't make that difference. Something that happened after that week made the difference. You know what I mean? So right. something after what he did expanded into, like, literally rewriting, like, 
all of history. years and centuries of history um to the extent where like we still have dinosaurs so like it had to go that far back yeah you know what i mean yeah so it's going to be very interesting to see like that's the kind of the element of time travel that i'm okay with is when you very much explore like what the ripples mean like i like i like when a story a time travel story isn't just like oh butterfly effect whoops you know like right oopsies they're like here's why that butterfly effect happened Kinda so like, like here's where the dominoes fell to like now this is what we have you know kind of like um like i really enjoyed the legends of tomorrow show and i feel like they do a really good job of like mm-hmm kind of exploring the individual like this one change led to this and this and this and this and they like actually explain it rather than just like oh we can't let this thing happen and then like they never talk about it yeah like and that's what i like is i i like when it's actually like broken down like why did this one change affect so much um so that's what i'm excited to see and i feel like they're gonna have to like there's no way you know, yeah. when I looked at the cover of the book and I read the premise of the book, I literally thought it was going to be this guy, like, traveling around time trying to be some sort of, like, time hero. Like, oh, I'm going to kill Hitler and I'm going to, like, rescue the dinosaurs. All the, like, gonna... standard yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then he gets back and everything's so just, like, confuddled and messed up and weird that he's like, ah, oh, I've got to fix this. Um, but with how they set it up of him literally just, like, dropping a report on a guy's desk... Like, like that's all he did a week ago and he like ordered <laughs> flowers for somebody that's it yeah you know and so it's gonna be really interesting for them to actually like sit down and like break down each individual ripple right and see where it went um so it's cool it's a cool book and aftershock printed it on very nice card stock which I, f- I find i'm more and more obsessed with like how comic companies are printing their books because i'm so tired of the like literally sheer paper that marvel's putting their books on no that's completely I valid at, i forget which book it was i think it might have been actually the main cover for x-men fantastic four this week um but you can literally see the next page through the first page oh my god that that's book. so sad like, it's like they have a team of scientists with some sort of like nano blade and they're like looking at paper and they're like shh we've made it you know they're like cutting it laterally like one ply sheet of paper just like and like pulling off this like thin strip and they're like oh my god such an excellent excellent use of advanced technological resources yeah right (laughs) you know maybe if they cut down on the amount they had to print they'd be able to print it on better paper but burn yeah i'm just saying it you're not wrong I agree, though. This week gave us a story about Spider-Man with Hulk powers. Because that was something that we needed. (laughs) Now, tying it back, though, you mentioned X-Men Fantastic Four number one. Yes. The new Chips Darsky and Terry Dodson book. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. (laughs) I feel like this is a team of creators that really do understand these characters. Oh, 100%. Um, I feel like Chip really gets the young part of, like, X-Men superhero stuff. Like, I'm right. a teenager with abilities. This is how I would react to stuff. Right. 
Um, and I just feel like Terry Dodson really gets just draws the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in such a kind of like bright but still like realistic and respectful looking kind of way you know what I mean so it's like not cartoonish but it's very bright and vibrant and kind of hopeful um, and I feel like both those teams are very much deserving of that kind of tone yeah um, yeah this is a good book this I, is gonna be good I think what I love so much about this is that Chip, he emphasizes stuff and, like, points light on stuff that I always think in the back of my head but isn't always talked about. Like, they go to Krakoa at one point, and it's not all sunshine and roses and culty. It's, like, the people there, if you're kind of a dick in normal life you're still gonna be kind of a dick when you're on Krakoa yeah. and like you are ridiculously busy and like there is always crap going on mm. like it's not like going to a paradise island and then like permanent vacation like you're, you're establishing a nation state yeah unless you're Wolverine apparently who just like sits in a tree drinking beer well but he's Wolverine this is funny to me because it's like <laughs> All the other, like, X people are like, oh, on to the next thing, you know? And Wolverine is a part of the X-Men and X-Force. And he has time to just, like, eh, time to kick. Beast is researching some stuff, so I guess I'll sit in this tree and drink some beer. Are, okay. Slash, it's also what's really true is he probably has responsibilities. And just doesn't do them. But he knew Kitty was arriving that day with his beer and was like, um, No. <laughs> This is my beer tree day. <laughs> you can get off it. Yeah. You can just wait. Yeah. Well, Me going out and cutting people in half is going to have to wait a day. Well, I've and got let's beer be real. To do. You're, say you're Xavier or you're Magneto. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go to Logan and be like, hey, I need you to go clean the toilets? No. You're going to be like, wow, Logan's a pain in my ass. And yeah. I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants because I'm kind of surprised he's still here willing to do literally anything. Yeah. More realistically, you'd go to Logan and be like, hey, Logan, can you get Quentin to clean the toilets? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which they brought in Quentin, which I love. I love Quentin Quire. He's yeah. such a pain in the ass and I love him so much. And immediately Chip's like, oh, hey, here's Quentin Quire being a pain in the ass. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for doing this. You for haven't me. been keeping up with the X books, but fun fact about Quentin Quire, he hates Krakoa. He that hates- makes perfect sense. He's such a like anarchist that he just like yes. despises. Well, he's Krakoa. having to help establish a nation state that goes against every principle he holds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, we haven't seen the Phoenix Force in a while, and I'm pretty sure that makes him a little butt hurt. Yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, this this book was really cool. It's going the direction i was hoping it would go um and it they pull kind of a little bit of a you know rope a dope with it and i like it um because you know any sort of like team x team books like avengers x this person right defenders x this person um you know could just go the way of another civil war like heroes punching heroes uh, er, the heroes are so angry um and this one sets up that way so the x-men go to collect franklin 
They're like, hey, come home, baby. <laughs> come home. <laughs> and um, <laughs> at least that's how I read it. Um, is that is that that's Wolverine standing on this? <laughs> He's standing on the street, like standing outside Franklin's window on Yancey Street with a boombox, just playing some George Michael. I don't know. I love it. Um, I'm. I'm. And he's here. like, come home, baby. Uh, Does he look like John Cusack? Yeah, he's wearing like a trench coat. Trench coat. Yeah. You know what? I don't. That doesn't even surprise me. Like, yeah, that no, actually I'm, makes sense. I'm here for it. Um. Anyway, and the Fantastic Four are possessive dicks, uh, effectively. And, you know, we're getting – I'm happy the Fantastic Four is back. I really, really am. But since they've been back, we haven't really touched too much on, like, Reed Richards is kind of an ass. That's that's one of the things that was so Chip Zarsky for me. He – yeah, he – you know, apparently in the comics he, like, put – trackers on his kids like in the fantastic four comics and stuff and i haven't been keeping up with the fantastic four comics so there might be other things but from what i know about their story arcs they've been focused on a lot of like other family establishments and other like getting the fantastic four back into the you know routine kind of things and before fantastic four disappeared like we had story after story about how much of a dickhead reed richards was (laughs) yep you know in civil war like one of his wife and brother-in-law leave their side of the civil war because reed's being such a dick and is putting heroes in the negative zone and shit like that and you know it's kind of cool to see that again i won't spoil like how that gets revealed but he did something that was just like a huge breach of franklin's like autonomy autonomy yeah um and Anyway, so, you know, it kind of sets off, like, the X-Men are here, Fantastic Four are like, no way, and, like, Sue's throwing everybody in a bubble, and, <laughs> like, <clears throat> you know, Ben is punching people, and Iceman and Pyro are fighting the Human Torch, which I have a question about that, and I'll come to that later. Um, <clears throat> it's something I hope we get to see. Anyway, so, like, a little scuffle does kick off, and then Franklin and Kitty, Kate, excuse me, Captain Kate, not to be confused with Captain Crunch. Um, <laughs> Captain Kate, with two Ks, is uh, basically running the I'm going to actually talk to Franklin and figure out what he wants kind of thing. Yeah. And Kate Pride has quickly become my absolute favorite X-Man. She is delightful. I love what they're doing with her in Marauders. I love how they've developed her character. I love how much she's grown. Um, I was falling in love with this character back in like the early all new X-Men days where she was like teaching the all new X-Men and was a total badass. And now it's just compounded. She just has no more F's to give no more (laughs) F, uh, hashtag ampersand percentage signs to give. Um, and it's weird that I remembered that. Uh, well played. And it's just like, She's wearing this, like, puffy red admiral's jacket. She got finger tattoos and stuff, and she's just a badass. Um, Anyway, she's actually, like, talking to Franklin and being like, you're a teenager. You're soon to be an adult. Like, you can make these decisions. What do you want? What do you want? And he makes his choice. And that, honestly, is what I wanted out of this series, and I hope it focuses on that as much as it can, is less, like, 
the two teams like punching each other being like no franklin's mine and then franklin kind of cowering like eek don't know why is everyone kind of like civil war ii how everyone was fighting over that one inhuman that could predict the future and yeah like, that one inhuman was just kind of like always on the side like oh no don't nobody for please. me argentina yeah instead of just being like you know what i want to work with the avengers or like i like what iron man's saying i want to do that um yeah and that's what I want this to be. It's I want it to be Franklin making a decision and then taking a look at how Franklin interacts with Both these teams. various teams after he's, like, decided. Or when he's still, like, flip-flopping. Like, talking to the X-Men, figuring out what the point of going to Krakoa would be versus, like, talking to his family and being like, look, you know, there's a gate right there. Like, I'm super close to you guys at all times. Like, it just, like, bloop, bloop back, you know? hey, dad, you're really into science. Maybe me being on Krakoa would be really good for you. You could come to Krakoa. They probably won't let you touch the flowers, but, you know, you could learn a little bit about this crazy sentient island thing. You know, like, yeah. that's really intense. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I want to see more of that, more of the, like, familial stuff and less of the, like, punchy punchies. And I think that's where Chip's going. Yeah. You know, and Chip has that tendency to do that like to take a character and be like guess what we're gonna focus on them as a character less of on like them with powers them punching you know? stuff like yeah i agree with that and chip also called out something that has literally always bothered me about the fantastic four mm. which at one point franklin's looking at the thing and is like man Sure, it's crazy that Dad can find ways to fix all of the universe's issues, except he can't figure out how to fix my powers and to make yours go away. I'll and the call things... myself what Susie called me, the thing. Yeah, and the fact I'll be Mister Fantastic. <laughs> He's such a douche, yeah. but it's just so like that has always bothered <clears throat> me. Like yeah. Reed can literally find a way to save the universe when it's collapsing, when all of the different dimensions are collapsing in on themselves, he can fix that. But, oh man, it's still clobbering time. What? How does that make sense? Yeah. And they make such, it's so subtle too, because like they go back to the house and Reed's immediately like, hey bud, can you move this heavy stuff for me? Yeah. And it's like, ooh, shady yeah Ooh, he don't want to turn you the, back because yeah. you too handy for him that's the good point that franklin oh. makes is like you know there's always been a need for hitting stuff in fantastic four adventures so like why would he let this, you be I, free? yeah this idea of like maybe he could have fixed you at any point in time but he didn't want to you're really good at punching things you know your disability is convenient for us it will be interesting because like the thing has always been kind of this super layered character and has always been the way that he is and he's just such a good guy you know what i mean yes and it will be interesting to see if in the future anybody ever takes the plunge and it's like you know what i'm gonna fix the thing because i think you could do it without pissing people off if you like gave him the ability to change you know oh what I mean? yeah so it'd be like um it would be like totally awesome hulk or like the period where bruce had like quasi control over the hulk and it was like mainly bruce with like hulk powers right how he was like he could hulk out but he wasn't as strong as like full hulk yeah the hulk like takes control and i'm not gonna even pretend to know like 
the various Hulk personalities and call one out here, but <laughs> I think Savage Hulk is the s- no Worldbreaker is the strongest. So like he can never reach his like full strength potential, but he's like smart while also being hulky. Right. I think Joe Fixit is also not as strong. Basically, like when he's got like more control brain wise, he's less strong. Why the hell are there so, so many Hulk personas? There's I really need to get into I'm so bummed I missed out on Immortal Hulk in the beginning. And this is like a confession to the world. I passed on Immortal Hulk. I opened up the first issue and I was like, this looks really grotesque and cool, but never really been that into the Hulk, admittedly. Oops. So I was like, <laughs> well, you know, I'm not going to go for it. And then like a few handful of issues later, I'm watching him like rip Absorbing Man's skin off. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like fighting the devil and they've laid out all these like hulk personalities and he's like super like pretty much evil at this point including bruce being pretty much evil at this point and they've effectively like effectively just decided that they're going to end the world like they want to be the ones that end the world and then effectively end the universe like bruce and the hulks are like we're gonna do this let's do it we're the devil um (laughs) and yeah what the and I'm like, dude, why did I miss this? So I got the first trade. I haven't had a chance to read it because I'm constantly reading stuff so we can do this. Hello. Hi. Um, and I just, I'm so bummed because now like the first issue is like 50 bucks and Oops. like the second or third issue has a first appearance. It's like 70 bucks or something Oops. like that. And I'm like, oh, big oof. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I think they could do something like that with the thing and make him give him like the ability to be rocky right because he was already kind of a big dude yeah Ben Grimm was like before the accident was like reed richards like i'm gonna fight people who make fun of you kind of guy and um you know so i think they could just make him like a bigger dude who has the ability to get like rock skin and like slightly stronger and then like fight people but he'll never be like i'm gonna fight the hulk and, I mean, that would even give, like, a pretty good, like, story arc because, like, Thing and the Hulk have had a rivalry for a long time. So, like, if Hulk ever goes, like, bananas, like, it would be interesting to have this, like, weaker, more life, more, like... Agile. Agile thing versus full, strong Hulk and who's being like, come on, you used to fight me all the time. And they like, eek. <laughs> You ripped my arm off. Um, Oopsie poozles. So I don't know. It, it, it was a super sidebar that took up a lot of time. But I think it would be cool to see if anybody down the road ever does take that plunge. And it's fun for me that Chip is starting to suggest it. And Chip also is good at, like, laying groundwork that Marvel wants him to lay that isn't, like, super obvious. Like, yeah. He's done that in a lot of his books. He definitely and, has done um, that in a lot of his books. Like, books that you just wouldn't, like, Howard the Duck had a few things that were kind of laid out that was like, oh, okay. Invaders like just did it. stuff, yeah. Invaders just did it. Invaders was such a super rando, like, is anybody actually reading this book type of book? And But there's so much subtle stuff that has yeah. been implemented in that. I was like, y'all are, y'all are developing well, Namor in a very special way He right laid now. the groundwork for the Mayor Fisk thing that got picked up by War of the Realms and then got carried back over into you yeah. know, his, his Daredevil book. So, like, 
he's very good at Marvel being like, we want you to lay this groundwork, and him doing it in a very, like, not shoehorned way. In a nuanced um, way. So yeah. I wonder if this is one of those things. It'll be interesting to see. I can see so. it. I would be here for it. Like, for it to get revealed, like, Reed just one day is like, here you go. I figured it out years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, know? like having, like... And then, like... Yeah. You know, then, Grant, like, Ben Graham gets pissed leaves and they have to like enlist someone else to be their bruiser you know what i mean that would be really like, interesting. that would be interesting so huh i don't know anyway uh x-men fantastic four it's gonna be so very good. good i'm really excited to see i've been looking forward to this one what goes down with franklin because we've already kind of gotten to a big turning point of the story so there's a lot more story left because i think it's like a four issue mini good and issue one i mean a like lot I said, went like, down. A lot went down, and we're at, like, a big turning point in the story. So either the next three issues are just going to be, like, standard superhero antics, or we're going to learn a lot about Franklin. And I And potentially that. see a lot of stuff go down between the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. So I'm down to clown. Yeah. All right, I think that does it for us. Nice. Yeah, I think we're good to go. I'm cool with that. So um, if you want more Cover B... You can find us online at CoverBPodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at, yes. at CoverBPodcast. I have not been as judicious with my postings lately, but you are going to see a heck of a spike here pretty soon in terms of action and activity on the social media. So come follow us, Word. chat at us, say hi, say what up. We like to hear from you. Yeah. Um, and you can also, if you go on our website, you can find merch. You can find past episodes, mm-hmm. um, including some things like Powered Gamings. We're going to have a couple Powered Gamings coming up here in the near future, so that'll be fun. On Wednesday, we're actually going to have a real extra coming out because we're going to go out and see the new Birds of Prey movie. Woohoo! I'm so excited! Um, and so we'll have our review and thoughts and spoiler, spoilery review uh, ready to go for you on Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. Until then, we will see you on the next episode of Cover Me. Bye, fam. Bye-bye.